Well, good morning. You guys can have a seat for just a minute. Uh, today is Mother's Day. We are so excited for that. Let's have a round of applause for all the mothers here today. Yeah. And we have a row of lovely children up there in the back, in the balcony, singing out. So uh, hopefully all you kids had a chance to hug your moms today. Um, just a, a couple of announcements. Uh, this Saturday, there will be the Clio Women's Gathering uh, here at Creekside at 10 a.m. So I'm sure if you have questions, you can talk to Hetty about that. Um, in just a moment, the offering is going to be passed around. And, you know, if, if you weren't here last week or you wanted to give to the quarterly missions offering, um, it would be perfectly fine to, to do that and, and put a memo to that effect on, on your check. Um, and finally, last but not least, we are really excited this morning because we have uh, a guest speaker, Keith Leverance. For those of you not familiar with, with Keith, uh, Keith taught for years and years, taught Bible uh, up in Dubuque at Emmaus Bible College. Uh, he has retired from the teaching profession, uh, but we are really excited to hear his uh, message this morning and, and get a chance to dig into God's Word. And uh, also, for those of you that don't know, Keith Leverance is uh, Karen's father. So nice to have uh, Keith and Betty here today on Mother's Day, and so we're really excited to see you guys. So uh, let's, let's just open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that uh, you have given us families and that we can, um, we can be placed in, in the family where um, we can love and, and just go through this training ground uh, that's preparing us for eternity. Uh, we pray for uh, every mother here today that you would uh, encourage and strengthen and help. Lord, we pray for those that have lost their mothers and uh, are remembering them today and uh, it's a, it's a bittersweet day in that, Lord. So we just pray that you would just encourage our hearts this morning, that you would lift us up, that you would remind us of who you are and your unchanging nature. It's in Jesus' name we pray. My, uh, my flowers and card might have been motivated by the fact that she reminded me Father's Day is only a month away, but... We won't go there. Don't you wish it was always as easy as giving a card and flowers to keep the peace? Wouldn't that be nice? It's not that easy. It's tough. And I'm not talking about just our families. In fact, I hope I'm not talking about our families. But we live in a world that's in incredible turmoil. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, believers in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for the provision of salvation that he's given. Those, those of us who believe that, we, we struggle. We struggle. It may be Mother's Day, but all of us need to remember that this is war. Interesting. Maybe you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Be our starting text for today. I'm not necessarily talking about our family. I hope I'm not talking about your family. But in all of life, we need to remember that this is war. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, 
Paul writes a final word, a final word. And the reason he's writing this final word is because he's been giving all kinds of family wisdom in chapters 4, 5, and 6. Wonderful, wonderful truth for us to live by. As we apply those things to our life, we find that the peace of God floods. We we find that uh, harmony exists between believers. But let's never forget There is warfare. And so he writes, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Strong, strong language, and yet that's the reality of the Christian life. We live in a culture where it's easy to, I think, ignore or sometimes even forget the intensity of warfare that's going on around us. But I'm challenging all of you, I'm challenging myself to listen to what the Word of God has to say and be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We desperately need that final word from Paul. Well, in this warfare, we have the assurance of Holy Scripture that we have victory. In fact, the Lord Jesus communicates to us that we're more than conquerors through him. And that's a blessing. But not every day feels like victory, does it? Not every day feels like I have conquered, that I have achieved God's standard in my life. But I really believe that for our children, for our marriages, for our church, we need to understand that we are victorious. And that victory that we have from God, really, it it emanates from the home. I say it starts from the home. And so I think it's appropriate on Mother's Day to realize that mom is often the foundation, the glue that keeps that family moving. And we do honor her, but we need to understand and support and appreciate all that she does just as she needs to make her contribution to all of us and all that we do. We want victory in our homes. We want victory in our church. We want victory in our world. That day is coming when we'll recognize it beyond any shadow of doubt. We'll know for certain because there'll be a day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it'll be to the glory of God the Father. It'll be to the glory of our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus. And you know what he says? He says, I'm going to share that glory with you. You're going to be involved in my glory. So press on. Fight hard. Don't give up. Be strong in the Lord. I'm suggesting that all of us need to work on the concept of positioning our families for successful, godly living. This is war, and you are involved in it. Paul writes to Timothy, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So the first point we want to make is that we're not talking about a foreign war. There's very few, if any, of you this morning who fought in World War II. Most have passed. 
Some, perhaps, struggled in the Korean conflict. And isn't it ironic that today we're right back where we were with North and South Korea at Swords Point with one another and with the United States. My generation still has nightmares about Vietnam. My friends still wake out of a deep sleep when there is a firecracker or a loud bang and they feel as though they're under attack right once more uh, as it was in Vietnam. And while they were over there fighting and dying, we were here in our homes almost pretending that war didn't exist. It was living as usual. Things are different, however. The battlefield is where we live, and we had that stunning reminder back in 2001, September 11, where the enemy brought right to our shores the conflict, and it's continued ever since. Probably not to change in the very near future. And so we want to remind you that you and your family are in constant danger from the enemy. And we're not just talking about military warfare either, are we? In fact, Paul didn't even address that when he wrote that, that reminder in Ephesians 6. He said, no, there's an unseen enemy. There's a, a force, a power that's at work in this world, a, a force of evil that desperately wants you as an individual to be discouraged and defeated, wants you as a family member to be frustrated and, and uh, separated, wants the name of Christ snuffed from your lips and from the conversation of our entire culture. And that enemy, that unseen enemy, is relentless and powerful. And so we have to remind ourselves that spiritually, emotionally, yes, even physically, we stand in constant danger from that enemy. And so it's important for us to be strong in the Lord. Another point that I want to make is that we have to understand that there are three major areas or three battlefronts that are going on around us where we need to be constantly aware and be fighting in those areas. The world, the flesh, and the devil as outlined in Scripture. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We're not talking about that nice little picture of the globe that you see there when we define the world. We're talking uh, basically a secular life, uh, a life where God is outside. In fact, a life that is opposed to the things and purposes of God. And we, we struggle with that. We have conflict with that and need to be aware of it. The Lord Jesus said, John 15, verse 19, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you out of the world. So it hates you. And understand, understand that that world system would love to gobble us up. But we are more than conquerors. If we stay strong in the Lord, we'll have that provision from him. How about the flesh? Probably best defined as a sin nature or that sinful desire that exists in every one of us. And Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. 
But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit. How do we know if we have the Spirit or not? We know because the Lord Jesus made the very strong claim that all who trusted in him for salvation would be empowered and filled with his Holy Spirit. We have that promise from God himself. Maybe this morning you need to struggle a little bit with this concept. Is the Holy Spirit alive and active in my life? And if not, it would be a wonderful thing for you to consider this. Jesus Christ died to pay for your sin. And in so doing, bring you into personal and eternal fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, by believing that it was his sacrifice that paid for all your sin, not that you have to do anything yourself, he did it when he sacrificed himself on the cross. Place your confidence and trust in that alone. Become a true believer in the work and person of Jesus. And he grants us eternal life and promises the indwelling Holy Spirit. Fantastic from God himself. Finally, the third major battlefront is with the devil. And I doubt that any of us have had a face-to-face with Satan himself, but his demons are active in the world today, that unseen uh, force of angels that uh, harass and and, uh, create havoc for God's people and for the world in general. And uh, we need to be aware that this is uh, part of the battle in which we're involved. Again, not that we're going to be defeated, but that we are more than conquerors. However, let's be aware of who the enemy is and perhaps even be aware of some of those tactics. And so I'd urge you to remember this. We are more than conquerors through the power of Jesus Christ. And so the challenge this morning is we need to avail ourselves of that mighty power. A third point. Paul writes to Timothy again in 2 Timothy 2, verse 4, and says, No soldier in active service entangles himself with the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. As I read that, my first response is, how can you avoid being entangled in everyday life if you're alive? The answer, I believe, is that by being strong in the Lord in the power of his might, while we live in this world, we're not entangled by that world. And so it's important on this Mother's Day to realize that the family battle requires us to to make an effort to be strong in the Lord, to take the challenge that we have from Holy Scripture about living for the one who gave so much to us so that we may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. A fourth point that I'd like you to consider is that we have direct orders from the commander-in-chief. Those are found in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3, and many other portions of Scripture, but share these with me. 
Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Be strong in the Lord. Keep that person and work of Christ in the forefront of your lives. And we do that through our personal time in the Word of God, and I trust that everyone is taking time on a daily basis to seek the Lord, to understand who He is more and more, to deepen our knowledge of Him. Well, we need to quickly move along, and so I'll go to my fifth point of 27. I don't know if I never know. Uh, it's a family affair. It includes husbands, wives, children, all of us, and parents. And so we want to speak quickly to each of those people groups as a reminder that there is a necessity for us to be strong in the Lord, to continue in our, way, in our ability to please Him. So let's first speak to the husbands. Husbands, many challenges from Scripture for you. And I hope that we take them seriously. These are not things that we can just pass off. The first, and I think maybe foremost, is that we are to be people who love. People who are willing to do the highest good for our loved ones. You heard that so many times before that it's almost so routine that we hardly even think about it. And yet it's at the very foundation of what Christianity is all about. Husbands, love your wives. Do the highest good for them. I had a dear friend that was struggling with his marriage. And I challenged him. I said, do you love your wife? Do you really do the highest good for her? He said, well, I, I die for her. I, well, that kind of stunned me for a minute. I, well, that, that's real good, isn't it? But then the thought came, but are you willing, Don, to live for her, to do the highest good for her on a daily basis. This is war. And if we're not obedient to Holy Scripture, we're going to find that the enemy seems to be gaining footholds in our lives. And so, husbands, love your wives. Provide for your wife. Scripture says, but those who won't care for their families have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers, 1 Timothy 5, 8. Provision is very important, but it's not just financial provision. It's not just having a, a, a comfortable living so that the family is supported uh, financially. Families need emotional support, 
Families need social support. Our children need that care and provision and protection from a father, and so we want to be deeply involved in those kinds of things. The Apostle Peter speaks to the family issue and suggests that we need to be gentle. 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be physically weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you, so, as you should so that your prayers are not hindered. Finally, it's your responsibility, husbands, to lead the family. And Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the head of the home. He's to provide the leadership that the family means. That means, fathers, you need to be the spiritual leader. You need to be the strong one spiritually. You need to be the one who takes a stand against the world, the flesh, and the devil, so that your wife and children see you doing that. Such important stuff in the battle that we're involved with. There's lots of distractions for us. You can take a look at my little list here. Um, I like the one down in the corner. It says, hard work, never killed anyone, but why take the chance? Um, we can't be lazy. We have to be strong in the Lord. Lots of things that can distract from the job that we have at hand. We need to speak to the wives. The word of God is clear, and this is not a popular message, but you know what's coming. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says that the wife is to submit to her husband. When I was growing up, my buddy Jim and I would make up um, fanciful creatures, uh, we would invent new animals, and our favorite was the Logicat. Um, the Logicat was the nastiest, most ferocious animal on the planet. And uh, it had two heads. Two heads. And that's why it was so mean and nasty, because it was always trying to go in opposite directions from itself. A family that has two heads gets to be the meanest, nastiest creature on the planet. You don't want a logicat in your home. And so we have to understand that while there's equality, there's also a difference in role, a distinction that God has established. And headship is for the male and for the wife to submit to that headship. Now sometimes, men, we don't act in a way that uh, is honorable and allows our wife to be um, a submissive person. That's a problem. But sometimes, wives, uh, the flesh seems to come into control and it's um, very difficult to find this submission thing fall in place. My, my wife often says it would be so e it is easy to submit to you when we agree. Well, that's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? Equ equal partners but with God's order established for us. This next one is tough, and our culture really reacts to it. Workers at home, Titus 2.5, makes it very clear. Now, that doesn't mean, I'll, I'll put the third point up there, that doesn't mean that uh, working outside the home is inappropriate. 
In fact, the Proverbs 31 woman very clearly has all kinds of activities outside the home, work that she does outside the home. I think what Paul is getting at when he writes to Titus that, that a woman needs to be the worker at home is that it needs to be uh, a priority. And uh, the business world today really demands so much of us that it's difficult for anyone to make family priority, and especially, I think, for you women that are working outside the home. And so, again, I've, I've put up a few distractions, and you see that one with a silhouette where the lady is trying to balance on the tightrope of business and children. And we need to make sure that as there is opportunity to work outside the home, that the home maintains its priority and that those children that God has given are, are tent, uh, cared for and raised in a way that honors him. But we don't have too many kids with us this morning, but uh, we all know what the scripture teaches to them. In Ephesians 6, children obey your parents. Children obey your parents. Not an easy thing, but it's part of the battle because the world, the flesh, and the flesh would all say, don't obey, disobey. I don't know how to You think you're embarrassed. How about me? <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It's the child's responsibility to grow and mature. And while that seems to almost happen automatically, there's a process in place. There needs to be proper diet. There needs to be exercise. There needs to be plenty of rest. And those things take place physically. They take place spiritually. And parents, you need to provide those opportunities and those, uh, those concepts for your kids so that they can grow and develop and become more and more like the Lord Jesus. And then I say, finally, that they need to be responsible. As the, as the kid grows older, they have opportunity to live two lives, a life that uh, mom and dad are pleased with and then a life that other people see. And they're often in contradiction to one another. I'm speaking from experience here, and perhaps some of you can relate. The scripture says that we're to honor our father and mother. The promise is that that will provide for length of days and, and a blessing from God. But we honor our parents when they're not around. And so having a double standard, a, double, a dual kind of life is really very inappropriate for the child in my family and for the child of God. So we want to maintain that development process. Be responsible. A few distractions for kids. Um, perhaps you recognize some of them. Well, we'll say uh, near the end here that this is a family affair. And so the requirement for parents is rather a long list, and I'll try and get through them very quickly. But parents, it's our job to train our children. No child will learn righteousness aside from training. Because we're born sinners, not a popular thought, we can learn to sin very easily. But learning righteousness is a real, real difficult matter, and so it requires all the emphasis and strength and help that the family can, can produce. There needs to be a, a solid reliance on God's Holy Spirit in raising our children, but we need to train them. 
Don't expect your kids to respond to what your desires are for the family without them being trained. That's completely unfair. You see it sometimes when a kid's in the grocery store with his mom, and he's grabbing at this and he's grabbing at that, and mom is screaming and yelling, and he needs to be trained. That training is, a, is what comes first. Following that, when we do things well, we praise. We praise the children. This is a whole process of dis discipline or discipleship that I think is outlined in Scripture, and I don't have time to go into the details now, but very, very valuable study. Train first, and then praise. Not false praise. That's flattery. That's, that's dishonesty. But genuine praise when the child has done something that is pleasing to the parent and pleasing to God, let that kid know. We live in a world where there's constant negativity. Those kids are going to get more negative than they can absorb. And some people say that it takes ten times the number of praises to erase even one negative aspect. Think back in your life. What sticks out in, the, in, in your mind? What comes to your mind when you're reviewing some of the things that that happened to you, and often it's those negative experiences. Well, God wants us to raise our children in such a way that they are honored, that they're appreciated, that they uh, are instructed, and that they know when they've done well. Once in a while, they'll need to be corrected. If they're walking down the path and heading off, we re redirect them. Once in a while, they even need to be rebuked, a stronger form of correction. Perhaps even a time of punishment but in all of that, the scripture makes it clear that it's very important for us not to frustrate the child. Now let me quickly move to that issue because I think these are ways in which a, a child can be frustrated. There's biblical keys for, our, for us as parents in dealing with our kids, and one of them is that we have to be mature ourselves. We have to establish the pattern of maturity of what's honorable and what's grown up, if you will, as far as God is concerned. There needs to be genuine consistency. That training is not something that you do for 30 seconds on one day and expect it to all flow the rest of the time. No, it doesn't happen that way. In fact, uh, a couple days ago I was taking care of my grandchildren and they had um, a, a, a video of Super Nanny. Anybody seen Super Nanny? Okay, well, Super Nanny came into this home and straightened everything out. But the real problem that the parents had was that they were more like children themselves, and they were very inconsistent in their training. And so it's little wonder that their kids were the monsters that they were. Super Nanny showed up. And she provided maturity and consistency for those kids. There needs to be on the part of us as parents devotion to the task, because when God has entrusted you with a child, it becomes your responsibility to make certain that that child has all that it will need to become a lover of God and a follower of Jesus. Primary in our responsibility. And so, devotion to the task. Finally, Christ-likeness in all that we do, so that the person and character of Christ shines out in our lives and gives the example to our kids. Well, we have final orders come directly from Holy Scripture, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. 
be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. It's Mother's Day. Yes, today, moms, you get a little furlough. Okay, a little furlough. But never forget, the battle is raging. And we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we thank you that your word makes it very clear that we have victory through the Lord Jesus. We thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all unrighteousness and that you've given us the uh, privilege of being sons and daughters of the living God, that you have uh, ushered us into your family and given us the wonderful provision of your Holy Spirit. Father, our prayer this morning for, for my life and for the lives of each one here is that we would be true followers of the Lord Jesus, that we would be strong in his power, that we would honor him in all that we do, that our families would prosper in the things of God and that we would be those who uh, are blessed people. We pray especially for our moms today and thank you for them and ask God that you give them great victory in the Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you, Keith. Um, you know, one of the great privileges that we have every week is to take the bread and the juice to remember Jesus. And, you know, in every area of life, every command of God comes back to the gospel, right? And the gospel says that we can never do it on our own. We can never live the life that God requires in our own strength. But there was a man who came and lived that perfect life on our behalf and died in our place. And when we take the bread and the cup, it's our chance to remember, remember every single week what Jesus has done for us. And as I was reflecting on, on Jesus and Mother's Day, you know, we sometimes forget that Jesus lived as a son, that Jesus grew up with a mother and a father and brothers and sisters, and he lived in a real family. And there's uh, just a, a couple verses that I just think give us such a, an intimate and close portrait of Jesus. In John 19, 26, you don't have to turn there, but this is as Jesus is hanging on the cross. It says, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. You know, here's Jesus dying on the cross, and he looks down, and he sees his mom. And, you know, you think of the emotions that were going through her mind at that moment, but Jesus was concerned for her. And, you know, here's a, the precious, perfect Lamb of God dying on the behalf of, of our sins and also for his mom, for his dad. And, you know, as we, as we take the bread and the juice, let's just remember Jesus. Let's remember what he's done for us. So I'm going to give thanks for the bread and the cup. And Chris and Linda are going to play a song. You can use this as a time to reflect and to come up uh, when your heart is ready. And, you know, if you are a believer in Jesus, we invite you to join us in this celebration and in this remembrance uh, to come take the bread and the juice. If you've never trusted in Christ, man, today is the day of salvation. Uh, come to him. Confess your sins. Believe in what he has done for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our salvation, the one who went to the cross, 
who died that shameful death so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be clean. Father, may you just renew us today. May you renew our families. May you give us a vision for fighting this battle that you've placed us in. Uh, may we honor our mothers today, especially, and remember what they have done for us. Father, we pray for your blessing on our families. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.